Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat Passover sermon by Joel Grossman. In light of the late hour, I've decided to eliminate the final half hour of my Devar Torah. <laughs> As nobody ever said on Sesame Street, today's Devar Torah is brought to you by the number four. We all know that the number four seems to come up quite a lot at the Seder. The youngest child asks four questions. We tell the story of the four children. And there are four matzot. I know, I know, you think there's only three matzot, but you break it, and then there's four matzot. (laughs) And of course, we drink four glasses of wine. So the obvious question is, why? What's so special about the number four that it comes up over and over again during the Seder? So I'm going to share with you a couple of traditional interpretations, a couple of wild interpretations that I have heard, and then two interpretations of my own. Now, the most common answer to the question, why are there four cups of wine, is because when God delivered us from Egypt, the Torah gives us four specific verbs, v'hotseti, v'hitzalti, v'ga'alti, v'lakachti. God said to us, I will take you out of the land of Egypt, I will rescue you, I will redeem you, and then I will take you to the land of Israel. The most traditional uh, explanation of the four sons is that there are four different places in the Torah when we say, and you shall tell your son on that day, and so each of them must be a different kind of son, and so we have four sons in the Haggadah. So there are these types of explanations, and then as I was doing some research and reading some different Haggadot, I found some other interesting ones. For example, one says that the rabbis connected the four cups of wine to the four places in the book of Bereshit that the cup of Paro is mentioned. I thought this was a little odd, but as you know, when Joseph was locked in prison, there were two other prisoners, the great baker and the wine cup bearer for Paro, and four different times it mentions Kos Paro, the wine goblet of Paro. Somehow that leads to the four cups of wine, according to that interpretation. Another interpretation I read was that the four cups of wine represent the four nations who enslaved our people after the exodus from Egypt, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and Rome. Interesting, but why would we talk about them on Pesach? Strangest one of all for me was the one I saw, which is attributed to the Vilna Gaon. And the Vilna Gaon says, The number four in the Haggadah reflects the fact that there are four worlds which we may experience. The first world is our present existence as human mortals here on earth. The second world is the world after Mashiach comes. Still here on earth, but a different world. The third world is the world of Tichiat Hametim, the world of the resurrection of the dead when we're still here on this earth, but all those who had passed away come back. It's even harder to find an apartment in that world. <laughs> the Vilna Gaon did not say that. And the fourth world, according to the Vilna Gaon, representing the fourth glass, the fourth cup of wine, is Olam Haba, when we are no longer human, no longer on this earth, but in some other, hopefully better place. Coming back down to earth, another interpretation is the four 
cups, the four children, the four questions, represent the four corners of the earth, Ufaratsta, Yama, Vakedma, Safona, Vanegba. May you go to all four corners of the earth, north, east, south, and west. Finally, another scholar says in another Haggadah, the four cups, the four children, and so forth represent four mitzvot that the Israelites kept while they were slaves. They kept their Hebrew names. They spoke to each other only in Hebrew. They did not commit adultery. And they did not speak Lashon Hara. Without a doubt, the hardest interpretation to believe. As I have been thinking myself about different interpretations, I'm going to offer two of my own as quickly as I can. First of all, I think that the, that the prevalence of the number four on Pesach connects it powerfully to the holiday of Sukkot. And you might say, Joel, you got it wrong. We connect Pesach to Shavuot. In fact, we count every day between Pesach and Shavuot. First, we are free, but we can't really be free until we have the Torah, so there's a strong connection between Pesach and Shavuot. But I would like to connect Pesach, Zman Cherutenu, the time of our liberation, to Sukkot, the time of our happiness and joy. We're told in the Torah, on Sukkot, we celebrate because God kept us in the wilderness in Sukkot, in temporary housing, until we finally got to the land. But these four symbols of Sukkot, I think, are very relevant. As you know, we have the Arba Minim, the four species that we take on Sukkot. We have the Lulav, the Etrog, and inside the Lulav, we insert the Hadassim and the Aravot. <clears throat> and our rabbis tell us that these Arba Minim, these four species, represent parts of the human body. The Hadassim, the smaller leaves, represent our eyes so we can see the beauty of God's creation and see the good in others. The Aravot, the longer and narrower leaves, represent our lips so that we can speak good things to each other and praise God. The Lulav itself represents our spine so that we can stand up tall. And as we stand up tall, we can resist all temptations to be what we do not wish to be. And finally, of course, the etrog, the etrog representing our heart and giving us the ability to love, to love our fellow people and to love God. So when we ask the four questions and talk about the four sons and drink the four glasses of wine, let us remember the Arba Minim because this is what it meant to leave Egypt and become full people. Yes, we got the Torah on Shavuot, but it wasn't until we became the kind of people whose eyes can see the good in people, whose lips can say good things about people, who have a stiff backbone and will not bow down to others, and who have a heart that can love. That's what made us true human beings, and that's the connection between leaving Egypt and the holiday of Sukkot. Finally, to answer the question of why the number four is so prevalent in the Haggadah, I say, let's look in the Haggadah itself. In one of everybody's favorite songs, Echad Mi Yodea. Certainly in my family, Echad Mi Yodea is a big hit and usually the loudest and most raucous song in the entire Haggadah. So in the Echad Mi Yodea, we say the fourth one, Arba Mi Yodea. Who knows four? 
I have a slightly different translation. Echad miyodea means, why is the number four so prevalent throughout the Haggadah? And what's the answer? The answer is arba imahot. The answer is our four, four, uh, four mothers, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah, our matriarchs. And our matriarchs symbolize the women Israelites during the time of slavery. The Midrash tells us, the men came home from slavery when they had to fight to find their own straw to build the bricks. They were exhausted. The horrible Egyptian taskmasters worked them down all day long. And finally they came home and their wives decided to beautify themselves as much as possible and cook them something good to eat from whatever was available and finally wanted to make love to them so that they could have children and the children of Israel would stay alive. And so they are the most important people in this story. The Israelite women who kept us as a people for having more children and those children also had children. We honor these women, symbolized by the Arba Imahot, and we remember them throughout the Seder. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.